Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to the show. You are tuned in to Radio Islam International and I'm your host Siam Jada. Today's discussion is based around um, life post metric. I still think that this is the most popular topic amongst the youth. Um, is it's the first question we ask each other when we see each other. You know, how did you feel about the exams and what are you doing this year? Did you get accepted for everything? And it's also the most common questions we get asked when we meet family and friends. So join with me today. I have Afasaira Khan, who is the Deputy Principal of Laneja Muslim School, and a familiar voice, um, a guest that I have quite often on the show, Fatima Zahra Mohammed. So I'd like to thank you both for joining me today. And getting right into it, um, I think that the hype around this whole release of the metric results and how brilliantly all of the schools did, everyone is still a buzz about it. And I was wondering, Apisaira, do you still have the same excitement as everyone else? Are you still overjoyed? Or has the pressure of producing the same excellent results in 2024, has that already caught up and you are already focused on the next stage? Okay, so alhamdulillah, yes, I'm still um, on a high, I would say, because uh, our school performed very well and we're still receiving awards uh, for the outstanding results we produced in the metric 2023 um, examination. But at the same time, we are also very stressed about the year ahead and we are getting our plans into place for ensuring that we maintain the good results uh, for the 2024 matriculants. So there's a lot of uh, pressure and uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done. So that's where we are focused. That's what we focus on currently. Okay. And Fatima Zahra, I don't know if you have ever heard um, the stuff, but a lot of times when you meet certain family members or certain friends or people that have already matriculated and you tell them that you're in matric and you know, you're really working hard to get your desired results. A lot of them say demotivating things like, oh, you know, in five years time, no one's even going to remember your results, or is it really going to matter in the long run? Or if you don't achieve the results you want, it's really not going to impact your life in any way. And you having matriculated, um, a few years back, do you think that these comments are true or do you still think that it was just, it's just as important to you now as it was when you matriculated? Um, so I actually feel like in that moment, that is the most important time of your life. And you are only working hard to work towards something. So in that moment, those demotivating comments can really affect your self-esteem and affect your, um, your motivation to want to work hard and everything. But what I can tell every single matriculant is work as hard as you've ever worked in your whole schooling life. The early mornings, the late nights, they're going to pay off because when you see your results, when you see that acceptance letter from the university, you're going to feel such a high that you've never felt in your entire life. So maybe five years later, when you have your degree, your metric results are not going to matter. But at that point in your life, metric is the most important thing and that's the thing that you have to focus on so that's the advice i would give don't listen to them work hard and do your best yeah i 
agree with that because I think also in matric, that's the one year we have. Like at that point in life, that is should be the one thing we are working really hard at because we don't have many other responsibilities at that stage. So then to also say demotivating things like that, it's if I'm not working hard in matric, what else am I? What am I spending my time on? And the one thing we also hear with with any, in any aspect of life is how balance is key. Whereas I think in matric that comment does not hold true because there's no real balance between having a social life and then working hard. I feel as though you need to, you know, work 80% hard and have 20% social life. Whereas some people might find that adjustment between grade 10 and uh, grade 11 and 12 difficult, you know, to suddenly give up all of the luxuries and the leisure time. But Abisada, what advice do you have for them, you know, in order to put everything aside and actually prioritize their goal? Okay, so basically, um, uh, my advice, as you would know, you have heard me saying this several times last year, because I don't know if the listening um, public knows that you were my student last year, and you did very, very well, alhamdulillah. So it's about being driven and motivating. Uh, motivated, you need to set yourself realistic goals. And as I always tell my learners, you must want success badly enough. Right, and there's no room for laziness. Um, like I always say, Siam, what do I always say about laziness? <laughs> laziness is the most unattractive quality. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it, it's definitely all about sacrifice. So it's about like a seven-month period in which you are sacrificing social outings. Uh, you need to limit cell phone usage because we know the cell phone is really a huge time thief. Even as adults, we fall prey to the evils of social media. So you need to guard against it. And yes, there is really hardly any balance because for those seven, eight months, you are you need to be focused, working really hard. Because uh, when I say seven or eight months, it's because by then your curriculum is complete. Most schools complete curriculum at the end of the second term. So most of your assessments are done by then. And now it's just time then for you to focus on the prep exam and then the final exam. So it's not a lot to ask for. Six to seven months of sacrifice and hard work, diligence, commitment, and the end result will be so satisfying, you know, you will you'll never regret it. But on the other hand, there were learners who came to me after the metric results were released and they said, uh, you know, Abba, we should have been working from the beginning of the year, we would have got that A. So some of them started working at the end, which was a bit like too little, too late. So they didn't manage to achieve their distinctions. And uh, if they had worked from the beginning of the year, like they were told to by their teachers, they would have achieved a lot better. So it's definitely a most uh, very stressful year and you have to be willing to put in the time. You have to be willing to make sacrifices. And Fatima Zahra, do you think you would have done anything differently? You know, looking back at your routine that you had when you were in matric and maybe the way you spent your time, I know you did achieve very excellent results, mashallah. But looking back, do you think that you could have done anything differently or would you have would you have kept the exact same routine going for you? Not at all. I don't think I would have done anything differently because I achieved what I wanted to achieve. So my routine in matric was insane. Um, I went to school almost every day like everybody else. After school, I had tuition almost like everybody else. But during the holidays, um, I think most listeners would know the three famous tutors, Pools, Azim, and Apalatasha for math, science, and accounting. Yes, but yes. between those three tutors, we would go to Apalatasha from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock. 
and then we would go to bulls from 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock and then go to a gym from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock so if you think about it it's like a full 12 hour day and the whole day you're basically working on getting the results that you want and if you do that and if you do it right as in go to tuition and um work not go there for the social life and go to school and work tuition is not there to teach you tuition is there to help you do extra so that's what i did in matric i went to school and my teachers taught me what i needed to know and tuition was basically my reinforcement if you're going to go for tuition to learn and to do past papers it's not going to help you because that's what you're supposed to be doing in school but going back to your question i wouldn't have done anything differently because like apasaira said working hard for those 6 to 7 months really pays off you have to be willing to sacrifice your family gatherings you have to be willing to wake up early and go to sleep late at night but on that topic of balance i will say that i did not let go of my exercise or my sleep <laughs> so <laughs> after fajr i would go for a run just so that i would get the stress out because you need to have something to relieve your stress the stress in matric is no joke and i would make sure that at least by 11 or 12 o'clock i was in bed and asleep so that after fajr i can get back to grinding yeah so on that topic about the social life actually what i found in most of my classmates or the people in my grade is that a lot of us worked really hard in the beginning of the year so you know the first term the june exams and i would say even for trials so for the time finals came they gave you a look on out. instagram no 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 we were all so well prepared we were all going out like every mm. weekend which is i don't know like i remember so many people when you go up on instagram stories will be writing bio the next day and no one's at home everyone is just going out to like markets yeah, or to the mall yeah, if i can just come in here and interrupt you just remember that this only works for learners like yourselves and hamila you and fatima zahra were very very um focused individuals and uh, a lot of our learners are not like that so they mm-hmm. didn't put in the work so at the end is when they really need to also work and not be going out in fact it was very disturbing for me as as an educator to see learners in public places like in malls when i knew that they were writing the next day so <laughs> it doesn't work for everybody um and uh we just need to be uh careful of that you know yeah i agree i was the same like siam so the night before my final papers i was chilling with my friends going out with my cousins and they were like are you not writing finals tomorrow why are you here <laughs> and it was just because of the fact that we worked so hard during the year but i did have friends who were extremely stressed out getting 2 hours of sleep before their final paper simply because they didn't know what was going on when finals came Yeah and then I also think that certain people shouldn't feel peer pressured or feel the need to say okay that if you know that you're struggling with the subject and you really need to put in the effort but you see all of your friends are going out I don't think you should allow yourself to feel you know I'm missing out I should rather have went out okay. or I'm so lame for sitting at home and studying because like that final exam determines your future when you yes. receive that certificate you're not going to think in that moment no one is going to think oh i should have rather you know went out instead of studying even those people who stayed at home and studied they're going to feel as though they had work pay off so you will never regret staying home and studying but you can always regret going out instead of studying that's a True. very important point to remember 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, to touch on something that Fatima Zahra said was um, going for tuition. So I know sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but there's this misconception that students do sometimes only go for tuition for the social aspect and it's not really beneficial. And while I am saying that that could be the case for certain individuals, I sometimes think that tuition does actually help because obviously our teachers are teaching us at school. They are building the foundation. But when you go for tuition sometimes, depending on your class and uh, the people you are with, they sometimes give you those extra, you know, they just fine tune certain things or they'll give you, in a tuition class, a student will come and show you what questions they've been struggling with. So you get exposed to new types of questions. You get to see how other students are finding certain sections so you know whether you are valid in feeling lost in certain things mm-hmm. or you know but then i can also say that sometimes there is a small bit of a social aspect to it but not insanely where you go into tuition and no work is being done or it wasn't beneficial so sometimes i think it could actually help and uh i suppose that would probably depend on you as a person and what is your intention when you're going for for tuition are you intending to go there and learn or are you intending to go there to meet up with your friends and you know having a big social yeah definitely depends on the individual because i have seen people come to tuition and not get a single thing done in five hours so it depends on you and your intention. Go there with the intention of learning and you will come out with the desired outcome. Yes, definitely. Um, but I think also in metric, a lot of, I don't know if it's a lot of schools, but I know LMS, the teachers were really dedicated. So even if you do, even for someone that didn't go for tuition, if you had a question at 11 o'clock at night and you message one of the teachers, 100% you're gonna get a reply before the next day. So I'm not saying that tuition is always necessary, and I'm sure that that would be the, the, the case in most schools, you know, where if you need to reach out to a teacher, they will be more than happy to assist you and help you. So Basara, yeah. how did you feel that? Do you, do, as teachers, do you feel happy when your students message you, no. or are you like, oh, um, oh again? It, it just depends on the subject you're talking about, but obviously, uh, without diminishing the importance of an educator and what they can achieve in a classroom, uh, spending five to six days a week with their learners. Um, sometimes tuition is needed for extra extra practice time. You know, that's something we don't have time uh, for as educators in class because we're focusing on curriculum coverage. But uh, uh, if, if a learner needs extra practice for accounting or maths, for example, physics, then tuition is where they're going to get that. So there's mm-hmm. no harm in it. I don't think there's any harm in it. But as you said earlier, you need to be focused and go there for a purpose because then you're just wasting time and your parents' money. Um, <laughs> so it just depends on the subject and what it is that you want out of uh, the tuition. Yeah, so now we've discussed um, the feeling of achieving those high results and how to get those excellent results. But starting with you, Apisaira, what advice do you have to those who have maybe been rejected from their university of choice or did not perform mm-hmm. as well as they wanted to and somehow they didn't get accepted for their, um, their preferred career choice at any university and are now forced to take a gap year or to find okay. something else? Okay, so look, I would start by saying, look, don't despair. It's too late now to despair if you didn't put in the hard work needed to get into university so try not to despair there are other options to build a career and you know to earn a living in fact one of the huge challenges of universities is that graduates are not always able to find work once they complete their degrees 
So we have alternatives in South Africa. Um, there's what we call the TVET colleges, which previously was uh, known as the FET colleges. So they are geared towards like vocational training. Like uh, they are actually quite cheaper than, much cheaper than university because they're subsidized by government. So you can study in the field of hospitality, arts and culture, even in education towards a, a specific career. And we also have like specialist colleges, uh, private colleges that will, you know, offer courses in photography, in culinary arts, in IT. So these are all career-based, um, uh, what you call it, qualifications that you can study towards, even learnerships, right? And also, I think that uh, my advice is that when you're applying at university, you need to have uh, two or three different degrees that you apply for. You cannot just be set on one degree and insistent and on it because the chances are you might not get in for that degree. So you need to have other uh, degrees in another faculty, perhaps. Perhaps you initially wanted to study in health sciences and you didn't get in, then you should have uh, maybe look at other faculties that you would be interested in studying. We can't always in life get what we want, and it's very difficult to get into health sciences, um, especially at such university. So I think uh, students need to be aware of this. And I think we'll talk a little bit about this when you come to the career choice part uh, of the program, because I do have some advice in that respect as well. Okay, lovely. And Fatima Zafra, I don't know if you were maybe put into a situation where you had certain classmates or friends that did not get into for what they wanted to do. How did you as their friend help keep them motivated or what words of advice did you have for them? So 100%, as Apasada said, it's very unrealistic to always get what you want. But you do have those people who they do well, they get seven A's, they do well in the NBTs, and even with that, they don't get into medicine and they really want to get into medicine. Or um, basically that's what it is. They are not willing to give up on their dream. But what I can say to you is that I have friends who have had that dream of, I want to get into medicine and there's no other career path that I want to do. They have repeated the NBTs and got in the next year. They have, I know a friend who did, redid their matric and got into pharmacy because that's where they wanted to be. And I have another friend who went the route of doing a Bachelor of Health Sciences in order to get into medicine. And all of these people, basically, they just took alternative routes to getting to where they want to be. So if you didn't get the results that you wanted, or if you didn't get the, desire, the desired acceptance that you wanted, there's always alternative routes to getting to where you want to be. But my main advice to these people is they need to have faith in the fact that Allah only puts you exactly where he wants you to be. So if you are not somewhere at that point, it's not because of you. It's because Allah has a different plan for you and you need to have faith that that's the best plan for you. And that's the best advice that you can give a person who didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve. 
Yes, I think on that point, when especially when one person in a friend group is maybe the entire friend group is going to vets and one person didn't get accepted, they must be feeling really despondent. And in that moment, you can't really understand what's the goodness behind it and why Allah put you in that situation. You feel as though, you know, it's completely unfair and why did it have to happen to me? Yes. But you don't realize maybe if you were put into that environment, that environment would have been really detrimental to you. Maybe to your iman, yeah. maybe to your health, maybe to, you know, some aspect that we can't even understand. So you have to have faith to know that going to that university or studying that degree would not have had the best outcome in your life. Because yes, yeah. yeah, sorry, because Allah is the best of planners. That's something we must always, always remember. Exactly. And yes, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Sorry, you carry on. <laughs> no, no, carry on, don't worry. Yes, Yam, I know you and I are able to relate to this, and especially you this year. Um, even when it's something that's your choice. So, um put aside the the aspect of you wanting to do something and Allah has chosen something different for you. Um, both Siam and I, after matric, decided to go to Madrasa instead of going to university. And it wasn't because we didn't have the marks to go to university. Both of us have good marks and I were able to get into the degree we wanted to get into at that stage. But both of us decided that, you know what, we are going to go to Madrasa instead. And for the first maybe month or two of my madrasa life, I cried. And I was like, all my friends are at university and they're having fun and I'm sitting here in madrasa. But it was my choice. Nobody forced me to do it, but it's still, it was still hard not being with your friends, not being in university. But now that I'm almost done with my degree, I'm in my last year of my degree, and I look back and I see that I took two gap years to go to madrasa, there isn't a single thing that I would change. In fact, going to Madrasa actually, um, how do I put this? It made my dean so strong that when I got to university, I knew what I was there for and nothing could sway me from my, um, from my path. And it made my dean so strong that I went to university with good intentions. I went to university aware of the fitness that I could get to. And because I worked so hard in Madrasa, I wasn't going to let those fitness get to me. MashaAllah. So, I 100% agree with that because even though, like you said, even though it's our choice to be at Madrasa, we chose not to take the university path yet, like in this stage of our lives, you still somehow have that FOMO. And especially like when you see everyone on campus and everyone's discussing their new schedules and what, you know, what's the upcoming week going to be like, you do feel like, oh, I could have been there too. You know, I could have been sitting there with them on the grass discussing what we're doing this weekend. But instead, I am separated from the group and I have no clue what's happening, you know, getting your student cards, orientation week. You do somehow feel that way. But then you also have to remind yourself why you're doing it. You know, like I yes. didn't go this year because I need to remain focused on this task that I told myself I'm going to do. Look, but, I, and I also, just like to come in here, Siam, because um, yeah. you achieved really, really well. You had seven distinctions, which maybe the listeners out there don't know. And uh, uh, Alhamdulillah, I'm so, so proud of you that you decided to prioritize your dean. And just think, like, you know, when you're having those cases of FOMO, just think about how Allah is so pleased with you. And um, inshallah, going forward, when you do start studying, um, it's going to be so much easier for you. Allah will be with you every step of the way. I can attest to that because um, up until now, in my fourth year of university, 
I think the hardest thing I did was hit. University is a breeze. <laughs> the chemistry oh, I'm wow. doing is okay. I don't mind it. But just give me para 19 and ask me how hard it is. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So it's really preparing. That's, that's a good thing, you know. No, Anything afterwards is just like Hibs a walk is, in the park from there. Hibs, is, um, Hibs will prepare you for university, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so then on that thing as well, if there is anyone else that is feeling despondent about the fact that maybe they were forced to take a gap year or they're feeling left out because they willingly chose to take a gap year, one of the things is if you're already feeling these negative emotions towards a gap year, which is normal, it's human nature, at least make the gap year count. At least do something mm-hmm. that's fruitful and beneficial to your life. Don't say, oh, I'm not at university, I'm being so despondent, and then you end up wasting the year just because you're feeling down and you're feeling bad. If you already have a negative side to the gap year, make sure you fill it up with as many beneficial and positive things so that at the end of it, when you look back at it, you'll say, actually this gap year really benefited my life it was actually beneficial i learned from it i grew as a person you know the gap year equipped me for certain life events and stuff like that but i don't know about you fatima zahra but when i tell people naturally the first question people ask me now is where are you studying and what are you studying and then i tell them no i'm actually on a gap year and sometimes like the response i get back is so negative the first thing people will tell me is that, oh, no, you're going to get lazy, or why would you do that, or that would be a waste of time. So not many people are encouraging towards it, whereas yes. the people that have taken gap years, they have nothing bad to say about it. I've spoken to so many people who willingly chose to decline their offers and take a gap year, and they all talk about how it was the best experience of their life, and you must take a gap year, and you have so much free time to do what you want and discover yourself. So I'm yeah. starting with you. What What is your opinion on gap years? When you see your students, when you expect them to tell you that, oh, I'm studying medicine, I'm studying accounting, and they tell you, actually, I'm on a gap year. Okay, so initially when you told me you're taking a gap year, my first question was, why? <laughs> and why? And, but then immediately when you told me you are uh, wanting to focus on your hips, then I was... I was so accepting of that because you are going to do something constructive and meaningful with your life for the next year. But for others who are taking a gap year, I would uh, advise them, you know, to focus on something that they've always had a passion for and never had the time to do it. Redisco- discover some, uh, maybe there's some skills you have that you'd like to develop, whether you go for art classes or uh, cooking or whatever it is that you, you have a passion for. I, I don't think it's it's a bad idea. But I would not advise a gap year if you are really just going to sit and take what you, um, uh, uh, what this generation calls as a chill time, and, you know. Uh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an educator and I just cannot, um, how can I say, uh, accept that because I feel that time uh, needs to be spent meaningfully and productively. So if you're just sitting at home and doing nothing, then it is a waste of t- uh, waste of a year. So you need to make sure you have a plan in place. There are things you are going to do that you always wanted to do. And then when it comes to studying, you'll be ready for that year rejuvenated. But not if you're sitting at home and just taking a gap year to do nothing. I think that that's uh, a bad idea. And um, it's, it's really going to make you lazy for the year when you do start studying. So I would guard against that. No, 100%, I agree with Abasaira and what she's saying. But with regards to the negativity that you get when people hear that you're um, taking a gap year, even when they hear that you're going to Madrasa, in fact, I got told by an educator who taught me, 
when I told them that I'm going to Madrasa instead of going to university, they laughed at me and said, you should have rather got seven A's in LMA and not in Al-Aqsa. And that was so hard for me that they could put me down to such an extent. But I never listened. I persevered. I went to Madrasa. And HIVS is not a thing where it's a pastime. It's not where... Oh, I'm just taking a gap year to do HIVs and I'm going to go to university the next year. Exactly. It's, it's mentally stimulating every single day. Quran is the most mentally stimulating thing that you can do. And when you do your HIVs, you, from the morning you are learning Quran, in the afternoon you're learning Quran, in the evening you're learning Quran. And it keeps you on your toes to the point where, like I said earlier on, you get to university and it's a breeze. Not to say you don't have to study. You definitely have to study. But it's not the most hard thing that you've ever done. And it teaches you discipline. And like Apasara mentioned earlier on, taking a gap year to sit at home and chill is not on. But going to Madrasa teaches you discipline. It teaches you being up early in the morning to learn your sabak doing your sabak door at night so that when you go to your appa in the morning, you're not fumbling. It teaches you time management. It teaches you so many things that you'll never regret it. And in my case, I took two gap years. Some may think it's excessive, but I actually would have wanted to take a third gap year. I would have loved it. But like my parents wanted me to go to university and it was COVID at that point, so it was easy for me to do campus online and go to Madrasa in the same year, which not many people will be able to do now that campus is back um, in person full-time. But I just had that uh, opportunity, and it worked to my benefit. But um, I don't ever discourage against taking a gap year, again, if you plan on doing something beneficial in that gap year. Yeah, so Fatima Sasha, a gap year in the greater scheme of life. Talk to me about that. How do you think the gap year affected you when you entered your first year of university? Or did it even occur to you when you entered your first lecture and you thought, wow, I'm actually two years older than most of the people in this class? (laughs) You know, when you're at university, age really doesn't matter. The only thing that I can say is negative about the gap year is seeing all of your friends who are now two years ahead of you graduating and going to get jobs and earning before you. But at the end of the day, you made that choice and it's okay. You're going to get there. It's not like you're not doing anything to achieve your goal. But um, I can say that age doesn't matter. The friends that you make, um, even though they might be a year or two smaller than you, um, they at the same mind they have the same mindset that you have and they're at the same level of the education that you are. So it really doesn't make a difference. And in university there will be older people than you in your class. So I'm two years older than majority, but I have um few people who are like in their thirties and still studying in my degree. So it really doesn't make a difference. <laughs> okay. And Apasaira, now, when you see your students really struggling to find a career path, they don't know what they're passionate about, they're applying for things for the sake of applying for them because they don't know what else to do, what advice do you have for them? And what are factors that we should consider when we are choosing a career path? Okay, I mean, Sam, that's a very important question, and I'm glad that we are discussing it on this platform. 
And um, I hope that both the learners and parents out there are listening to this because it all starts, obviously, as you know, at the end of grade nine with your subject choices. It's very important that before you do uh, choose subjects, you need to do research, uh, you know, regarding what subjects you will need or use at university level. For example, you know the dilemma many learners choose physics but they end up studying towards a degree in the Faculty of Commerce. And this just, this just doesn't make any sense. So a, lot, a huge reason for this also is parent pressure. Uh, no offense to the parents out there, but there is this misconception that if you don't do physics and if you're doing business studies, then you're not smart. But um, you need to look around you. I mean, the world is run by entrepreneurs. So I really can I just strongly disagree with that. Yeah, you, you can. You know, when you said um, there's this misconception that if you do business and not physics, this is a major point that I will never stop talking about ever. <laughs> because there is just something when you tell someone that you do business studies instead of physics, like their whole attitude towards you changes. Mm. And me personally, I like, personally felt this. So initially I did take up physical science because I didn't know what I wanted to do after matric and you know the S7 course is something that you pick because it allows you uh, it gives you More access to any faculty yeah. yeah um then as I started going through my grade and I realized that I had a strong interest and a liking towards accounting and I knew that that was the career path I was going to follow not to say I didn't understand physics or, you know, I was doing badly at it. I simply chose to switch over to business because I had more of an interest in it. And for me, it's more important to do something you enjoy just to do something yes. so that you can sound smart. Yes. But so. after that, unfortunately, even amongst my the people in my grade or like when I would talk to certain people and I'd let them know, oh, you know, I dropped to business. I don't like to say I dropped to business. I switched changed. to business. Mm. I changed. They would automatically say stuff like, Oh, but then your aggregate isn't a true reflection of what it is because you don't even do physics or automatically your aggregate is going to be higher or your exam timetable is so much easier because you're not writing two physics papers so you can't really complain about this and i'm just saying that comments like that firstly it shows how naive you are and how yeah. ignorant you are because you don't even know what's in the syllabus for the subject for you to say mm. stuff like that and you cannot use it uh, if someone is doing accidentally and because they have a subject that you consider easy you cannot just um ignore the rest of the efforts across the other subjects to be like the only reason you could do well in maths was because you didn't have to study for physics i think that's complete nonsense because no, it's it the is. same amount of effort that you have to put in for everything else yes and uh, you know uh the subject business studies is such a dynamic subject you know uh, and it opens so many doors for you. So it's really small-minded to think that, oh, you didn't do physics, so your A aggregate doesn't count as much as mine does. Uh, that's really uh, an unfair statement to make and very inaccurate, right? So that's something, that's a dilemma that's been going on for years. I'm teaching for mm -hmm. seven years now, and uh, I'm still having that fight. But what I want to say is be careful. Don't do a subject like physics if you're not going to need it post-metric, right? And then also regarding career uh, choice, you need to find out about the university entrance requirements for certain degrees, what's the APS score needed. Also, you need to find out what subjects are needed because we've just been informed, I'm sure many people don't know this yet, but we've just been informed by this university because LMS is a top feeder school to this university. They've informed us that as from two, uh, 2028, 
a learner will require both physics and life sciences for any degree in health sciences. Because I think currently the requirement is uh, you can just get in with physics only and without life sciences, but not anymore from 2028. So this is the kind of research you will have to do when choosing your career. And you also need to, uh, with regards to career choices, uh, you must have a genuine passion and interest for the career path you're choosing. But this must also be in line with your strengths. You need to be realistic about your capabilities. So, for example, at the end of grade 10, you find that you are performing very poorly in physics. You're failing the subject. There's no change. There's no shame, sorry, in changing subjects uh, because you need to realize early on that perhaps you're not cut out for a career in health sciences. So this is something that parents also need to keep an eye on. Look, as a parent, I have a daughter who's in grade 11, and um, I always knew that she wasn't really a science orientated uh, child she was she does very well in subjects like accounting and, and math she's her brain is geared that way uh, so to speak so i advise her that she should not do physics and it's a choice that i'm very happy with and she's happy with it also so um besides that you need to go you need to do a lot of research regarding job prospects for that particular uh, career that you're choosing or the, the degree that you want to study for, you need to find out about the job prospects and the earning potential because as you know we have a very high cost of living in South Africa. You cannot afford to spend like time and money following a, a career path when at the end you discover the remuneration is limited, there's no room for growth in that particular career and you've wasted like literally four years. So this is something that's changing all the time. Uh, you need to be keep your finger on the pulse make sure you know what jobs are their prospects for where are the job opportunities and uh, you can never go wrong, wrong in a field uh, in the field of accounting uh, we always need accountants and their earning potential is really great it is a very demanding career but things like that you need to be aware of this so if you need to consult like maybe um, a career counselor uh, there are people who do assessments and then they will, they will tell you exactly what career your personality is suited to uh, so that you make the right choices. We have uh, an, an, a struggle as deputy principal, I can tell you, that uh, certain learners just refuse to change from physics to, say, for example, business studies. Uh, they're not performing well in the subjects, but you need to be realistic about what it is you can do. You cannot be failing physics and saying you want to become a doctor. That's not realistic. So it's not demotivating to tell a learner you're not coping. This is not working out for you. Sometimes they need a reality check. So as an educator, if we need to do that, we have to tell our learners this. And even as parents, we need to do this. So it's not a matter of demotivating a child. They don't know better. So as an adult, you need to give them the advice and make sure that they're uh, working in the right direction. You don't want them wasting time on a subject that they're not performing well in. And Fatima Zafa, what are certain things that helped you pick out and say, I'm going to do pharmacy, this is what I want to do? <laughs> so basically when I think about choosing a career path, I my main thing is you have to find something that suits your personality and something where you don't have to go outside of your comfort zone in order to fit into your field. So with me and pharmacy, I knew I wanted to be in the health science field, but I'm also a very finicky person. So when I heard stories of my friends, saying that they're studying medicine and when they do hospital rounds they get vomited on and it's not unknown to get urinated on 
it terrified me and I was like, gross, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but in the same breath, I'm also a very outgoing person, a very bubbly person and I like to talk to people and I like to speak to everyone that I come across. That's just my nature. So I think uh, I thought about it in a clean environment with many, very minimal phys- physical contact with your patients where your main job is furnishing of advice to your patients, first furnishing of medical advice, basically talking to them, looking after them, um, coming up with a pharmaceutical care plan that's tailored to them, things like that appeal to me. So it was an obvious choice for me because um, it suited my personality. And that's what I think you need to do when you're choosing a career path. My father used to always say something. (laughs) He used to say that, you go to school for 12 years of your life and you probably hated it. Your job you're going to be for, in, you're going to be in it for a minimum of 40 years. So you better make sure you love it or at least like it. Otherwise, you're going to be exactly. wake up every day being miserable. So make sure you choose something that fits your personality where you don't have to be uncomfortable in your job. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I chose pharmacy. <laughs> And as a Saira, you, you have a degree in economics and you took the teaching path. If you could do things over, do you think you would have still studied economics or, would you, or do you think that you, your passion truly lies in teaching and you would have done that from the start? Look, um, I'll be honest, if you had to ask me when I was in grade 12, which was many moons ago, <laughs> whether I would have wanted to be a, uh, in teaching, I would have said definitely no. Um, I was always, uh, you know, into commerce and I really wanted to be this hot shot chartered accountant and that was the goal. But when I finished my degree, uh, majoring in economics, which was really very difficult, economics is like one of the subjects with the highest failure rate at university in the first year. Um, And I really enjoyed it. I had a passion for it. But um, it kind of happened where, you know, as we say, Allah is the best of planners. I was offered a teaching job at a a school in the town that I lived in, which is Peter Maritzburg. Uh, And when I started teaching, I was like thinking, okay, this is just, I'm just using this career. I'm just using this job until I get a job in um, accounting. And for some reason, I just got stuck in it. And then I ended up doing my postgraduate diploma in education. Uh, and uh, alhamdulillah now 27 years later I've had days where I've uh, wanted to just leave and you know walk out of the career and it's been tough it's not an easy career you need nerves of steel to survive in teaching Uh, it's really uh, challenging and um, I think now I've made I think at some point I had made peace with it that this is the last choice for me and I'm hoping that I've made a difference. Like um, there have been so many learners that have passed through my hands, and I have hope. I hope I've made some sort of positive impact on them. And that's something I wouldn't have been able to do had I stuck to uh, a, a, a career in accounting. I don't think uh, I would have been able to achieve what I have. Um, you know, um, making uh, connections with learners and impacting on them. And alhamdulillah, so many of them still message me years after finishing the trick telling me they remember what I said to them or told them and that's something I really cannot um, say that I'm uh, regretful about alhamdulillah so yeah so you know you make your, your your choices but then Allah is the best planner so you must always trust in his plan and believe that you know he's made choices for you and he's protected you from something uh, that you don't even know about 
Yeah, and I think as you maybe go through life also, we have certain experiences, you truly find who you are. And so I think it's not unfair, but it's so sad for 18-year-olds to choose what they want to do for the rest of their lives because well, our career, my personally and my yeah. friends, our career paths have changed so much over the past three years, you know. Like in grade 10, you're so certain you're going to do something. And by the time you get to grade 11, you're like, actually, maybe I'll take I'm this not yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then by the time you get to metric, all three of your options on your application is completely different <laughs> to what you wanted to do the past okay. eleven years. And then afterwards you still have the stress if you apply for three different faculties at university and you get acceptance into all, then you have the difficult task of choosing which one you want to accept, you know? Mm. So but like I as we said earlier, Siam, I think it's about passion and interest that needs to be first and foremost. If you don't yeah. love what you do, then you really are going to be miserable for the rest of your career. So that's the first thing. Don't even think about the earning potential because you first need to love what you do. Because if you compare, like if you talk about me, like with regards to teaching and what my earning potential could have been if I had gone and um, and become a CA, uh, you can't even compare the two. But uh, you get satisfaction in different ways. So that's the thing you need to uh, to ask yourself. Do I really love this? Do I have a genuine interest in it? For me, that's first. Then you look at earning potential and job prospects because there's no point if you're earning uh, very well, but you're miserable because that can really affect you mentally. It's just not good for your well-being. So that, that would be what I would say on that. Yeah, you have to prioritize your passion first, definitely. Yes. And that brings us to the end of our show. Chisaka, so much for joining me. It was a very beneficial discussion for myself and I hope for all of our listeners as well. Chisaka, Siam, for having me on the show. And I really also hope that we've reached, uh, you know, the learners out there. And uh, I hope they do take our advice uh, into account when making their choices. And may Allah guide each and every one of them to make the right choices for them, both for their deen and for dunya. I mean... It was a pleasure having you both on the show. Until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam.